My name is Creighton K. Moxie, a 25-year-old entrepreneur with a background in marketing and your host. Today I have with me a guest that will provide tremendous value to our listeners, Mr. Reginald Smith. Mr. Smith is a businessman that was born in Georgetown, Exuma, having obtained a Bachelor of Science degree at the Adelphi University in Business Administration. Mr. Smith would return to the Bahamas and begin to utilize his business skills as a salesman selling business machines. He then would move into a career focused on media, where he spent time at the Broadcasting Corporation of the Bahamas as a radio announcer and broadcast manager. He also has management experience in tourism and real estate. Mr. Smith is a former Exuma Chamber of Commerce president and the current president of, the Ex of Exuma Pride. He enjoys sailing, golfing, fishing, playing music, and is a community organizer. So, Mr. Smith, I want to get right into it. Now, the first thing I want to touch on, first of all, you have an extensive resume. It gets really deep, a lot of stuff. So, you know, we're going to try to capture something, but we won't be able to capture the entire legacy of, of Mr. Smith. But uh, the first thing I wanted to touch on, because I thought it was very interesting, how was your experience at the Adelphi University in New York? <laughs> well, good morning, and, and, and thank you for having me on, on your show. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed by what you're doing, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you so much. And uh, good morning to those, uh, good afternoon, whatever time you're hearing this, um, to our listening, listening audience. Um, that's an interesting opening question. <laughs> it's, it's not the one I expected, um, um, because my journey begins a lot earlier. Yes, I But to be direct to your question, you have to imagine, first of all, that I had never been out of the country before, and that I had gone from Exuma uh, four years earlier, or five years earlier, to Nassau, which was a huge change for me. Uh, I first went to Nassau as a young boy on the mailboat, and the, the vivid picture in my mind is uh, coming down the channel into Nassau Harbor and seeing cars, real cars for the first time. The only car I'd seen before that was a Model T Ford, owned by Father Knight and the Anglican priests here. So you can imagine coming down the hallway, there were all these red and black things and green things dashing up and down the street. And there were Cadillacs back, back in those days, there were taxis. Um, so that was my first experience with the big city. That was in 1950, I want to say 1953, maybe, no, maybe earlier. Um, so, here I am, 1957 at Calvin High School, getting out of there in 61 at 17, and then heading direct to Manhattan. Wow. So I go from, I go from and Nassau was in a big city back then, in, in the 60s. Um, we were still a relatively small, small city growing. So imagine me going from Nassau to New York. Business capital. And, and, and one of the first things that I did, Father Willie Thompson uh, was my was my mentor. He actually went to, uh, flew up with me on POIC. Um, <laughs> imagine me coming down the, the, the uh, we, were on, we were living on 34th Street in Times Square, 34th uh, in, in, uh, in, in Manhattan. And uh, we were right on Times Square. And I went out that morning. I uh, got up and I went out early because I always get up and go early. Um, and I started speaking to people. 
Like I'd say, good morning. <laughs> okay. And people would step around me like, something's wrong with this guy. <laughs> I went back up and I said to Father Thompson, I said, you know, a strange thing. I said, I went down I was, and I, I spoke to people. I said, I said, they looked like they were afraid of me. And he could not stop laughing. He said, they were afraid of me. <laughs> because I thought he was some kind of a crazy person. Wow. <laughs> so that was my introduction to New York. But I had, I had four wonderful years at the Delphi University. I went there because um, I was granted a scholarship by uh, someone who became my almost adopted dad. Yes, sir. After my father died, um, Gerald Smith. Yes, sir. He was a, an Irishman who bought property here in Tabe back in the 40s, late 40s, early 50s, um, who I met while working one summer for Basil Mintz. Wow. Uh, I think I was 14 years old. I was home for summer working as a fishing guide um, along with... Um, a good dear old friend of mine, Sam Rowe, who's um, passed away now. Uh, but I was called one afternoon to take a gentleman fishing because we had Basil was um, the Basil was the distributor for an engine that was being made by a company out of New York, and and um, or at least marketed by I guess. And I was supposed to demonstrate this engine to this gentleman. And so I met them on the dock, this couple, and took them fishing. And when I met him, um, he introduced himself as Gerald Smith. And he said, well, we must be family. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so I took them fishing right in the harbor. We didn't have to go outside. And there was lots of fish in the harbor. So when we were through fishing, we came back to the dock. And he said, um, well, you know, he asked me why we were out there. What did I plan to do when I was through in high school? And I said, well, I'm going to be an electrical engineer. Yes, sir. Okay, because I had, I had with, with Nigel Mintz, done all the wiring, the first wiring of homes and businesses in Georgetown at 14 years old. Uh, I wired Eddie Minnesis, uh, Eddie Minnesis Edgewater, and I believe some of my wiring still in the roof. <laughs> I did the Baptist Church. I did my brother Lawrence home. I did a couple other buildings, and I can't remember them all. Um, but I did all that, laid that wine, he showed me how to do it, so I was fascinated. Yeah, sir. Of course, and that was my big thing, you know, I was going to go and be this big brain guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, you still did that. Well, I, 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 I did some of it. Yes, yeah, sir. And, and so, yeah, so I went off to be an industrial engineer, and, and, and the way it worked was when I graduated Government High, I did not get the, uh, whatever that certificate was, but I got GCEs, I was one of the first people in the country actually to get a GCE yes, um, um, uh, report out. Is that a government out. certificate of education? I, no, I don't know what, I don't know what GCE yes. meant, but you, you sat the exam, it was from London, and, and I ended up with seven, wow. seven GCEs, which, which, was, which was different from, uh, from the, the other top people like Madeline Sawyer and BJ Norris. Yeah, so they got the other thing, but I got GCE, <laughs> whatever that was. But I got through it. I remember Mr. Davis uh, coming to me at graduation and saying, uh, Smith, I want to see you. We all, we all, we all got called by the last name. Uh, Smith 1 or Smith 2. Smith, uh, I need to see you right away in my office. And Mr. Davis was a short little Englishman. He did it with a great smile, but when, when, when he was smiling, he was fine. When his face was not smiling, you were in trouble. Yes, he was smiling this time. So I wasn't so afraid. So I went to the office and I remember him saying to me, um, he said, I'm so proud of you. So what did I do? He said, well, he said, you need to go home right away. He said, because you have been granted a full scholarship 
to Adelphi University by Mr. Gerald Smith. And wow. you are to go on the meeting. And I can't tell you, it didn't mean a lot to me at that time because I couldn't comprehend what was happening. You remember now I'm 16 and a half, 17, we got 17. Um, and, and college to me was always a dream, but never really thinking that I would make it because my parents, of course, couldn't afford it. I did not know about scholarships at the time. And, 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 and so, yeah, I, this was amazing. And so here I go from, I flew to Exuma, met him here at Taubay. He was introduced to Father Thompson and the whole thing was set up and I had a full ride, uh, room, board, tuition, plus he became a father to me yes, and, and looked after me while I was there. So my experience at Adelphi was an incredible awakening for a young man who came out of a small town, you might call Nassau, compared to Manhattan, uh, into a very, very wealthy community on Long Island called Garden City. And Adelphi at the time was a college became a university while I was there. Um, but I was one of a few black kids on campus. I was well accepted. And remember now, we're talking about the 60s. For sure. 1960, what was going on in the South at the time and across America. Um, so it was an interesting time. It was also a time of the flower children. And so young people were expressing themselves. And it was a wonderful time to be, a, be alive. A lot of things were happening in the early 60s that were shaping the world. And I was fortunate to be in a position in a private school um, with all the fixings um, to, to, to see this and experience this. The Beatles, the music change, um, the culture change, the culture shock that young people were bringing to the world, all around the world. Um, Berlin, all, all these things were happening, shaping the world we live in today. And, and so that impacted me yes. and, and, and imbued me with, with, with a spirit of, well, I gotta go back home and get my country. Yes, sir. Uh, because there were a couple of African guys that, that, that were on campus at the time as well. And these guys were all, you know, they were very strong characters. Yes, sir. Um, talking about their countries. And of course, there was Joe Kenyatta, who was a big name at the time. For sure. I roomed with a fellow by the name of Kenyatta, by the way. Um, no relation, I don't think. Uh, Edward and, uh, and Karamba, Karamba from Kenya, yes, um, was my roommate at the time. So there was a lot of things happening while I was at the four years that I was at Adelphi. Then when I graduated from Adelphi, it would have been 1965. It was a different world. Yes. I'd been accepted to work for my master. And I had intended to stay in the United States for some time, but of course, a lot of a lot of students were going into the army, the American army, foreign students. And the way they were doing it, they would go in the army, and when they come out, of course, they would get citizenship. Oh, okay. Of course, that was not for me. And then I kept saying to people, you know what? I came to this country for an education. Yes, sir. I didn't come to be here. I'm, I'm a Bahamian. I'm yeah. going home. I stayed to work, I think, another year in Manhattan. I was, I was fortunate to get into uh, one of the better retail training programs in New York at the time which was with Abraham and Strauss, and I worked at 33rd and 3rd, toity, 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 as I said, in Brooklyn, New York. I worked there um, all day uh, in, in, in retail with a lady by the name of Miss Puno, 
She was a terrible person to work for, but, but a brilliant retail. Yes, and uh, so I learned a lot from this piano. And it's been a summer, two summers with her, I believe. And, uh, and uh, so that was my introduction to retail. I want to just step back because I don't think we caught when you made that transition to business administration from okay. your electrical engineer or aspirations. Okay. When, when did that happen? Actually, that happened in my junior year. To get into the engineering aspect, I ended up with a lot of classes in calculus and analytic geometry, and 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 it was it was a base I did not have. I did not get calculus in government high at the time. I didn't get analytic geometry. I ended up with in classes with some very smart people, guys who have been in the army, um, who were older men. Uh, come back and they were on the GI Bill, I guess, going to college and getting their education that way. But they were well up on this kind of thing. They had practical experience in it. So when they started talking the, the theories of analytic geometry, it was just something new to me. Yes, sir. And I could not keep up with the class. Yes, sir. And I had a German professor by the name of Kreitner, Dr. Kreitner. And I don't think Dr. Kreitner liked me that much. <laughs> he thought I was a dummy. And I had a, a chat with him one day, and I didn't do so well on the exam. I was not, I was a C student. I was not a C plus or B minus. Yes, and a lot of these guys were the A, A students. I was in a very tough. As a matter of fact, the class I was in, we were, we were a group of people who were looking at going to MIT to further and that was way above my, my, my pay grade. Yes, uh, and, and so one day I was sitting there uh, talking to Dr. Kreitner. And um, he said, you know, Smith, you, you, you should probably look at something else um, because you're not going to keep up with this class. And I, I had to agree. Yes, um, I'm not mathematically, I'm not a mathematician guy. Yes, okay? And uh, my son is. He's who is. So he sent me over to the business school. Because I, I sort of seemed to lean in that direction. So I went over to, he didn't mind by the name, Mr. Buchanan, who was head of the, the business division. And, and uh, we were, uh, our school was in an old Quonset hut that was, uh, that was um, circa World War II. And I sat with Mr. Cannon and he laid out for me how I can get a lot of the credits that I had from my engineering classes that, that I can transfer over to the business yes, school sir. and I could still graduate, which was fantastic. That's but excellent. it also meant a lot of reading to catch up yes, sir. because I had to do uh, classes in economics and, and uh, just the whole theory of business, oh, uh, yes, sir. business administration. But I was able to do that and I enjoyed it. I found that I really, really enjoyed it, uh, particularly when I went out to, to, to conferences or to to networking um, um, events, assignments, yes. and and we had speakers, and I would say, well, who's that guy? And it, and it turns out that was, what what is what is his um, background? And said, oh well, he's a, he's a business he's a business person. He ah, oh, what do you mean? He's well, you know, he runs companies. And ah, oh, was he is he an engineer? No, he's not an engineer, but he he's, he knows how to manage. Oh, really? That's where I am. And so that bar really got me caught, yes. and I really got to like the idea. And then I discovered that I have a knack for raconteur. I can talk to people. For sure. Uh, my, my speech was good. I had very, very, very good diction. Um, I knew the language fairly well. Government and I had prepared me very, very well for that aspect of, of, of my life. And, 
And so I was able to move smoothly into business administration and I graduated uh, two years later with a degree in business administration. So much so that I was accepted into the graduate school and had I stayed, I would have gone and gone and, and done that. Yes, sir. So I guess, long story short, that's why the transition was made yes, from sir. engineering to business administration, which was an incredible. Yes, sir. I, I, I think you just touched on a few powerful points right there. Uh, one of the first powerful points is that, you know, Oftentimes, you can actually, you could have actually did the engineering thing. I'm, I'm sure you're brilliant enough to do it, right? I could have. But, but it's, it's uh, a lot of times people don't get initial exposure. If you yeah. just had a little exposure earlier, I'm sure you could have went through that smoothly, right? But also, you notice that, okay, my natural strengths align more in another area. I can really push that forward. And then you gain that interest and really, and really propel that. And I think that's valuable. You realize that the business guy, right, he might have run all these businesses, but he didn't have to know every single detail Absolutely. and every technical skill of how to do Absolutely. it. But if you know the knowledge, if you have the knowledge of how to put together a concept and tap into the idea and structure things, you can be a business person. Absolutely. And I think that's a part I want to tap into because a lot of people think that to be a business person, you have to know every intricate detail, and that's not the case with a lot of, with a lot of things. For example, the person who founded McDonald's or something like that, they're not in there flipping burgers. They don't know every intricate detail of how to run the business, but they know how to set up structures and put other people in place who know things and can run the business. And I think that's what, what sounds like it interested you initially when you made that transition to business that, okay, I'm Red Smith. I may be great at certain things, but I don't have to be great at everything to be a businessman. I can own multiple businesses of various structures without knowing every single detail. So I feel that that's, that's very powerful. With a lot of things happening around me, I worked construction in New York. I worked at a... Uh, you did everything. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't play around. That also, was another aspect of seeing lifestyles. Brooklyn, New York, watching a, a, a Jewish person walk down the street at 110 degrees, fully dressed in black, head to toe, and a, and a big beard. And we are sweating like crazy. We're saying, how could this happen? So I, I became not infatuated with, but cognizant of a lot of the Jewish culture in New York, because all the guys in my bands were, 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 were Jewish guys. Yes, sir. And I would go to their homes and eat that food. Filter fish is one of my favorite foods still. Yes, um, um, you know, but the, you can see it's shaping me here. Yes, sir. These, these were, that's these that's were the main thing I'm getting from it yeah, right now. These were the years that really started to shape me. And if you take that and oppose that against the upbringing I had from my mom and dad and my father, who's a fisherman, then that's a that's another long story. Yes, not a long story, but an interesting story. My dad coming from Long Island to here, marrying my mother, who was from here, uh, bar from from here, uh, raised by the Minzes in, in Georgetown. Yes, um, there's a, there's a whole lot of things working. A whole lot of dynamics. Head. And, and so. And then I just want to I just want to kind of do a, a little jump right now. Sure, right? I've looked at at uh, your career path, studied you, did a little research online, and then you also provided me with a little information, right? And what I've been able to grasp from this is that your whole career has kind of revolved around sales. When you really look at it, you're always a person who has great communication skills. Although you tap into various industries from real estate to tourism to radio broadcasting where we're at right now. You tapped into all of these different elements, right? But there's a core thing I'm noticing there. Red Smith, the salesman. And that's just something that's, that seems to be 
consistent in the theme of who you are. And what I want to ask is that is during your career in sales, what do you think has been something that's been key to your success? Teamwork. Teamwork? Teamwork. A lot of us get the idea that we are incredible beings and that you know we can do so many things. I had a lot of individuals that shaped me. Once I got out into the world and started to work in industry, I found that for some reason, I always tried to put teams together to do things because I recognized that I was not a detailed person. I am not a detailed person, but I'm a dreamer. Yeah, so vision. I can, I, I got the visions, okay? I can see possibilities. And the only way that I have been successful a lot, and you'll see that when we talk, we talk about Princess Hotels. Yes, uh, we talk about uh, even real estate. Um, uh, that that the best, the best production I've ever done, even at ZNS, was when I had a good team. When I went to, to Freeport to build uh, a ten radio, along with my cousin Ambrose Smith and Kelsey Johnson, I had the job of hiring. The staff, okay, the on-air staff. Yes, sir. And I put together a team that was absolutely fantastic. Now, not on my own. There were people who came to me and said, "You should look at this person, or look at that person." But eventually, I remember Bill Bain, uh, somebody, uh, Colin Tatum, was a friend of mine at the time. He said to me, "You should look at this guy." Yes. He was working in the engineering department at Princess Hotels. I was not a princess at the time. Um, I was concerned, that's of course. And I went to this guy, he was living in a room at Princess, at the, at the King's Inn. And I went to this man's room, knocked on his door. And this, I, I said, this boy was killing and said, hello. <laughs> and I knew right, right away, I said to my, this guy is high. Right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> just just from, his, from his voice. Yeah, sir. And then, of course, I ran into Kirk Russell, um, who was a grand, grand behavior, incredible, incredible guy. And this Kirk, uh, Killer Muscle, Muscle Killer Russell's. Is his, is his monocle. Um, a young fellow named Perry Clark, and what happened to Perry? A young lady, and whose name I forget right now, uh, but I can see her face. Um, and this, this is the first on air team. I started in the morning, uh, forward by, uh, I think it was Sherry came on and did 10 to 2, and then Kirk came on, um, Kirk came on at 2, and did 2 to, I think, 5, and then Perry came on and did the drive home. We had an incredible, incredible, as a matter of fact, we had listeners on the east coast of the United States as far north as Titusville. We had fans up in Titusville, Florida. Wow. From A10 Radio. Wow. Out of Freeport. Out of Freeport. Wow. Okay. And I'll, I'll show you how that works. Years later, I ran into a group of those fellows who came to my golf tournament at, at Princess. And they said, when we found out it was you, we just had to come. Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> okay. And so... These were guys who worked on the space shuttle up in, up in um, uh, Fort, uh, not Fort, uh, Cape Canaveral. It's amazing. It's, I'll tell you, it's team, teamwork. And it's something that I find in my country I don't find too often. Yes, sir. I believe it's one of the things that holds us back. Yes, sir. That we, we don't know how to come together as a group yes, sir. and make things happen for the benefit of the 
community. Agreed. And, and I want to pause. I'm jumping way ahead. Yeah, sir. No, but, but that's a powerful point right there. And I want to pause right there because you talked about teamwork, right? And now you talk about doing things for the benefit of the community. Yeah. I want to dig into something that you're doing for the benefit of the community and an initiative that, you know, you're collaborating with others, forming a team and pushing yeah. forward. Absolutely. I know that you're the president of Exuma Pride. So yes. can you just tell us a little bit about what Exuma Pride is for those people who may not know and what your ultimate goal is with, with Exuma Pride? Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> Let me take you back um, to when I first came home. And, and, and maybe this will give you some idea of what we're trying to do with Exuma Pride. I started, recited the Chamber of Commerce here um, because my good friend Vernon Curtis, who I asked, what can I do to help? And he said, one of the things I'd love to see you do is get the Chamber of Stuff. It, the chamber had been dormant for some 20, 30 years. So I did that. We got that going, went very, very well. The first five years was incredible. And we're struggling now, but but uh, but, but it's there, it's it's in place. And then and then the second thing that I tried to do here was I tried to form something called Zuma Congress. I'm great at forming organizations. Yes, sir. You know, through my you'll see that I've owned about four companies. Yes, sir. Um, some successful, some not even getting off the ground. Some lessons. <laughs> so, okay. That's the answer. But I tried to form something called the Zuma Congress. And I had a group of young guys who came together around me, and I thought, wow, we're going to do this really, really well. Um, the idea of the Congress was to go into each community in Exuma and have that community come up with three to five persons mm -hmm. who would represent, say, Mount Thompson or Roeville on a board that we were putting together. The purpose of this board was to to bring representation actually it was like a forum of, of local government yes sir bring representation from that community to the group and the ideas from that would go into a a island-wide program that would allow us to build exuma uniquely in in the in our way well okay what we, what we had aimed to do was come up with projects in each community to lift infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. What are the needs of the community? And then the persons in that community would be responsible for coming to the Congress with those ideas, okay? And then we would take those ideas and put them into the island program for each community into an Exuma program, including the Keys, okay? And then we would go ahead and use those items to create the budget that we saw we would need from government to run Exuma, okay? And the idea was to, to, to have that budget, our budget, ready before the national budget so we can submit that to a member of parliament who would go to Nassau and present that as what we needed in Exuma. Mr. Smith, that is the most intelligent thing I've ever heard, and it's the way our country should run. Well, we, have, we have things it, where... so it was killed. So, so many things, and, 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 and it's going to come back. And if it has to come back in a different form, it's going to come back. But it's something we need because the way our country is structured, right, we focus on centralizing everything, and it's to the detriment of everything else in the country. I know me and you had a, had a talk before where we were talking about how, you know, the, the pivotal role Exuma can play in the advancement of the Bahamas, but some of our systems that we have towards running the country just don't don't direct things towards doing that and making Exuma what it could be and making other places what it could be and ultimately advancing the Bahamas. So that's a long way around to answering your question agree with Zuma Pride. In 2012, I ran for parliament 
not because I thought I could, as an independent, not because I thought I could beat the big guys necessarily, yes. but I needed to get my foot in the door, okay? And I was, I was fortunate to get into some homes, not a whole lot, but some homes to some people. Particularly, I remember a lady in Mount Thompson that I sat and talked with, and she poured her heart out to me, okay? And it showed me that exumians in their heart really want to do things. But what is lacking is the leadership in the communities, somebody to, to go follow. I mean, I grew up in an exuma where you knew in every community, and if you talk to any exumian around my age, they can, and you ask them, who was the representative in the forest? And without a doubt, they would tell you last go around the forest. Now, I could be wrong about that, <laughs> but as from my point of view and what I recall, that's probably, probably that, very accurate. That's the name that comes out of it. Yes, if you went to Roll Town, uh, IR Roll, okay, um, um, Henry Bridgewater, you, you knew who the leaders were. Yes, okay, sir. you went to Williamstown, you looked at Vincent Bowe, okay, and 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 uh, uh, Racy, Racy, uh, the Siles people, the Sears people. You knew who they were. If you went to to Rollville, they were the Kermit Rolls and uh, John Rolls and. and you knew who ran our communities, okay? And back then, Rolltown was a model community. Yes, sir. Every house in Rolltown had a flower garden in front of it. Wow. And Rolltown had one of the largest farms in the country, big farm. Onions, potatoes, cabbage, peanuts. Rolltown was famous for peanuts. Famous, okay? Onions, it's room grew onions like we don't believe. And Mount Thompson, from the road that goes into Mount Thompson to the road that goes into Ramsey, is a farm. Yes, sir. Yeah, potatoes, I, 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 I saw cane, cabbage, you name it. That thing produced, okay? The roll And so, so, what happened? That's okay. a great question. So, after 2012, I, everybody said to me, we can't deal with you right now. We, we have to get rid of Hubert Ingram. And I said, well, What's getting rid of Hubert Ingram going to do for you? Exactly. And I couldn't get an answer to that. <laughs> okay. They said, well, you can't deal with you this time, but you come back next time. And I said, it's not going to be a next time for me, but I know a guy who's going to run. Yes, sir. Okay. And, and at the time, I was referring, of course, to a present rep representative. Yes, sir. Um, when Chess and I used to talk before he became, and I'm not a member of the PLP party. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm not a member of any party. Yes, sir. You're um, behemoth. But, but Cooper happens to be a long-time friend. We always talk about what we would do with Exuma. And this is one of the things that, 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 that I admire about, about him. And so we thought, well, you've got all these ideas, because I have 13 programs coming out of my run for Parliament. Yes, sir. One for every community. And he said, well, you've got to do these things. And, and so he came up with the idea of Exuma Pride. And I said, just we got we got to use Exuma Pride because there was a uh, I think a, a group called Exuma Pride who had a disastrous program I didn't really uh, that didn't work so well here. Yes. Sir. And so it I didn't want to have a name that was associated with associated that. Associated with that. Yes. Sir. Okay. And so I added projects because we'd already had all the logos and things. So I added Exuma Pride projects to it because what I wanted. And I'm going to show you how this ties into something else. But I wanted to make sure was that 
We did things. Yes, sir. We did things that were visible, physical. And I can see that for sure. Okay. So, so because I'd seen the law since I've been home with it, since 2004. Uh, I've, I've seen four, I think three studies done, nine surveys. The people who came in made presentations to the government, had big books written about it, and then it disappeared. Okay. So we did not want to fall into that category. And so we had this big meeting at the auditorium down here in Thompson. Um, Minister uh, um, Roman was so good to come and join. Uh, Chester, Chester did all of that. That night he donated his pay from Parliament to getting us started. And so we were rolling. Okay? And we went out and a lot of the things that, that I had imagined um, we try to get people to join us. Yes, sir. But coming out of that meeting, and this is something that I don't want, I don't want to get too deep into, but I think I should mention it. We had a lot of people at that meeting at the auditorium that night, but everybody called me the next day asking, first of all, what contracts are we going to give out? How much are we going to pay? And I got so many questions from the people all who signed up yes, to volunteer. And, and I'm sure that that night we made clear that we were looking for volunteers. Yes, sir. Well, none of these people really wanted to volunteer. They thought this was going to be a big payday pay pay or whatever. <laughs> or, or they were there because the politicians were there. Yes, sir. And, and they wanted the connection. I don't know, whatever the reason was. Long story short, we ended up with very few people. And some of the people that we had counted on to come on board with me, I wasn't supposed to be chairman of the Democrat. I was supposed to be a co-chair. Yes, sir. But finding a co-chair became very, very difficult. They wanted to work. And so I finally said to Chester, you know what? <laughs> because take it on. I'm going to take I'll, I'll, I'll just, we're just going to go. Yes, sir. And so, and so we did. We are very fortunate. Again, I talk about putting a team together. There's a lady in this island that a lot of people do not know, or a lot of people know, but don't know her tenacity and her commitment to community. Her name is Sheila Moss. Mrs. Sheila Moss, when I came here, headed something called the Beautification Committee, which was something they were trying to do to refurbish Georgetown. She's still trying to do that. Okay? And we created a project around what Sheila was trying to do with Lake with the park, with Lake Victoria. Yes, sir. And so we are developing a park called Lakefront Park. Yes, sir. By across from the Catholic Church. We're having some issues with we're rising tides right now. Yes. We're going to have to lift that a bit more. But, but I've actually been able to see a lot of the work you're doing, and it's made a tremendous difference. Right. Even from when I was here last year to looking at what's going on right now, I'm seeing it coming along. I'm seeing a lot of the projects you're doing with reference. I you just put up a gazebo. Uh, like someone probably saw your sign there. So you're doing a lot of things. You have great signage. And I and I, what I know what I notice is that your presence is noticeable when you come onto the island. For example, you're riding down the road, you see the signs about the fines and stuff like that. It at least makes you think that, you know, if take care of my environment. The environment should be important to me. I should have pride in Exuma as a whole. And you know, if I don't, there are some repercussions, at least to make you even think about it. Even if those repercussions are carried out, it makes you think about it and have in mind that this is something I should value. I should value where I'm from and I should, you know, make sure that that's taken care of. So I commend you for a lot of the work you're doing. It's very, very noticeable. Well, it's not me. It's me and the team. Yes, sir. Okay? And 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 the the, the two people, three people I want to really, 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 really grateful for. God is good. 
we're going to talk about that aspect of it too. Um, Sheila Moss, another incredible lady. Watch where I'm going here. Cleo Turnquist. They have two stores together right next to the canal. They're great friends. Yes, sir. But they are workers. Love they it. are brilliant women. Love and it. I know we have more of the same here, but we can't get them together. We're getting to you're getting now some help from Monica Mintz. Yes, sir. Monica's got the library looking. You've never seen the library. Yes, yeah, sir. Went there the other day. Yeah. It's amazing. So what's happening with that project? That's going to come together with with the the gazebo. When we finish the gazebo, we're now going to go and I've been trying. I've been talking to, to Administrator Ivan Ferguson. Now I have to meet the new uh, administrator, and I hope she's not hearing this before I meet her. Yes. Um, but we want to go in and redo all of the walls in downtown Georgetown. We want to go back. Repaint the walls and reintroduce the old colors, uh, colonial if you want, Love pink it. and white. Okay, but we want to fix the walls around Regatta Park, all the way up to Peace and Plenty, including around the administrative buildings. Okay, uh, we want we want to go with the government pink, and and white, and we want to kind of picket fence all of those walls. Wow. Okay, so that we have the look. Of Georgetown, which is a Victorian town, and I and okay. I, I love that because it gives you a, a sense of interconnectivity where yes. people feel the community exactly. feeling exactly. and the spirit. And and let me go back to the gazebo for a minute because the gazebo was was an idea uh, born from reality. There used to be a big tree on that spot, huge big tree. When I was a child, uh, going to the school on top of the hill there, we used to play uh, on the parade ground. But the fig tree was where you went when. We used to eat figs. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, there was a there was a cement circle around that tree, and that was very important to Georgetown because if you walked in from Rollville or Rolltown or wherever, there weren't very many places in Georgetown you could go and sit down and relax and rest. There was town center, whether you were going to court. Which was in where the administrative building is now, that's yes, where the courthouse was, and the jailhouse, and the police compound, and the wireless station was all in that area, that Walden area right there next to Peace and Plenty. So even during the elections, that's where everybody gathered, because if you went to vote at the, at the commissioner's office, that's where you sat and everybody in the conversations, da 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 da. Then um, the guys would get their sack of flour, that's, that's where they would go, sitting around that fig tree. Basil Lins, I think, has a Painted a painting, or, or one of his daughters has a painting of that. Of that. Maybe Diane, uh, but I know I've seen it. And we're going to get it and we're going to put it in that gazebo. Oh my gosh. Okay. Because that's what the gazebo is replacing. It's yes, replacing the big tree, tree. Which was the town center. So this the is the central center. location Absolutely. where everyone knows. And everything branches off from there. You got the library in Coastal okay. City, you got a park, you got vendors for straw market work. You got a lot of different things going on. So I, yeah. I, I really love that idea. I love that concept. And it's a beautifully, it's a beautifully built gazebo. It's going to be even more so. Um, I, I must tell you that Cleo Turnquest, the way we do projects, we don't do any project until we cast it out. How we sketches out, and Cleo is an incredible artist. So if we say we want to build a whatever, we say Cleo, what's this going to look like? And that woman in two seconds can go, and she will give you a sketch of what what you want to do. And so when you see the gazebo is completed, you are going to see how beautiful that really is going to be in the wow. town center, because there's a seating area coming behind that between the the park wall 
and the gazebo is an area that she's designing in the back of that that's just going to knock your eyes out, okay? It's a place, a meeting place. It's town center. Lovely. Okay? And so, so we are trying to coordinate the colors. If you look at some of the buildings in downtown now, um, Cleo and, 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 and Sheila, uh, they've come up with a, a color scheme. We're going to try to say to people, this is how we would like to see, you know, if you're going to paint your building and we'd like you to do it, um, could, would you consider one of these colors that I don't know? Love and you can see it happening already. Love downtown it. Georgetown, you see the colors coming. And it makes Georgetown. a real difference. And the colors it pop, it, it pops. It pops. That's what we really want. Think in terms of that we're going to get the streets fixed in Georgetown. We are, we're coming on that and hoping that we get a little sidewalk too. Maybe one side or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, haven't, I haven't met the guys who are doing the road yet, but you know, you yes, know, sir. I want to do. That. Of course, of course. <laughs> okay. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to make to make that happen. But the other thing that we were trying to do with downtown Georgetown, we want to green it up again. Georgetown has become asphalt and concrete. Yes, sir. And it used to have so many beautiful trees. Regatta Park used to be surrounded by coconut palm trees. They cut them all down because the uh, coconuts are dangerous. We, we, I don't know where these ideas come from, you know. Cut uh, the coconuts down because coconuts are dangerous. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll fall on cars. And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's the reason. There used to be a cenotaph, an obelisk, in the middle of that park. Yes, I think it was about maybe 10, 12 feet high, maybe, maybe more. All the names of those persons who served in the war on that obelisk, somebody knocked it down. It's because gone? History. Gone, disappeared. No, that's a logical. Okay. Well, it happened. And there were some attempts made to put something, some replica of it yes, around. Sir. I think there's one at the east end of the park, which is out of sight, nobody can see, blah, blah, blah. And then there's something around the dock, which is totally wrong because the names on there are wrong. Yes. Okay. Those people did not fight in any wars or whatever. Um, I don't know. We got off track. Yes, sir. Okay. So what we're trying to do is see if we cannot bring Georgetown back, including, and we'll get into this maybe in another another time. Yes, sir, for sure. But we I have to move the port out of Georgetown. It has to go to the Navy base. That's where we have the space for it. That's if, if the Americans came here to, to build a base and they chose in all of Exuma, they chose that location. There has to be a reason. It's, it's they, probably you know, they looked at it. Yes, sir. Okay. And it's it's a protected area, but it gives us a re, an area to expand. And Georgetown, we can't go any further with Georgetown. Georgetown was built in the Victorian times. It was built for horse and buggy, like Nassau. Yes, sir. <laughs> it wasn't built for car. It wasn't built definitely for for semis. For not at all. Okay. And I think that's a that's a big issue. You know, there's like traffic blockages and all that because of that because they're coming from that way. But if you put it over in that location, it at least it alleviates some of that. People are able to park more. Like even when you go to pick up stuff from the mail, there's crazy congestion, yes. all those stuff. Like, well, we make can make and, and we can make better use of that space. Exactly. Okay. That that is a highly commercial area. Um, I'm trying to promote the idea to the team uh, that that we should we should seek to put what I call an inner harbor. I don't know if you've ever been to Boston in the United States or I wish uh, Paradise Island over in Paradise Island. I think there's a similar one, but an area of commerce. Where we can, instead of having the commercial boats in there, we have the private yachts in there. Love uh, it. The big yachts that come in will tie up there. Uh, we would have a situation where they can walk on to the land. Right now, Love it. We, we have over 400 yachts anchored up in Exuma Harbor sometimes during the year, all along Stocking Island. 
nothing over on the harvest side, except for those that I kept anchoring in front of um, um, the yacht club, the yacht club. Why not create a situation where those boats can actually dock here and people can come off and walk the streets? Why not? Right? And go into stores. When it's rough, they can't take their dinghies to come across the harbor. They won't. So, yes, sir. And all those sailboats, they can be at sea for six months. They don't really need us. Exactly. They only need our great anchorage. But why not incentivize them to come in, be able to anchor up, and then you get the economic benefits? Because I'm sure with big yachts come big revenue that gets to circulate Absolutely. to the community. And so we don't what you're have, saying is perfect. And we don't need the big, big guys. We yes, need sir. the 65-foot sport fishermen, doctors. We need the doctors. And the exactly. Lawyers. These are the guys who's, who's spending spend the money. So why not take that kid area and turn it into an inner harbor that brings commerce? We can now have more shops more restaurants, more entertainment, more and more. So downtown Georgetown becomes an area where we draw in the people from Sandals. We draw in the people from, from, from Grand Isle. We draw in the people from Perry Point who all come together in downtown. We draw in the Rollvillians and the people from Mount Thompson. People want to come to downtown Georgetown. It's our capital. Love it. Make it happen. Love it. And that's what the restoration of Georgetown about. <laughs> That's what the Dilma Pride is trying to do now. You know, everybody says, well, you're putting everything in Georgetown. You talk about Nassau, but now you want to put everything in Georgetown. No, that's not it. The whole idea of the Zuma Pride, I mean, that was a Georgetown Pride. Yeah, so it's like Zuma Pride. But, you, but, but, you, but it's fundamental that you would start in your downtown area. You go to anywhere in the world and their downtown is the main economic zone. So you want to start there, but the effects will be felt in other areas because with your plans, you're focusing on all the communities and doing initiatives within them and things that work in those communities. Because something that might work in Georgetown might not be the best thing for Williamstown, might not be the best thing for Stevenson, might not be the best thing for Ramsey. But you do things that work in those communities. And with you getting community involvement and forming these teams, you get that accomplished. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and the, 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 the whole idea is to bicycle this program through our communities. Imagine, imagine, Christian, if we had 13 communities on Exuma functioning with an economy of its own within itself. Powerful. Take, take for example, let, let's just take it Williamstown. Williamstown is my, there are others. In my travels and promoting Princess Hotels and Murray Graham. I spent 13, 16 years doing that. We were in Memphis, Tennessee, and we were headed over to Little Rock, Arkansas. And a lot of people were talking about stopping off in Hot Springs. And I, I, I didn't know what Hot Springs was. But I, so I never went. But I eventually did go to Hot Springs some years later. And one of the things we did when we got there was we went to this old hotel. We were going to we wanted to wait in Little Rock from from up in Cincinnati. So we went into hot springs, basically because I wanted to see it. I wanted to see why people would go there. And we went to this hotel, looked like an old hotel, to the baths, okay? I went in, checked into the desk. Um, I was taken down into a spa. I was met by an attendant. I was given, put in, in a tub of mineral water and scrubbed, okay? The guy actually did a big old brush, scrubbed <laughs> me like, okay? Took me out of there, put me over in the sauna, okay? Went in the sauna for 20 minutes. Came out of the sauna, uh, went into a cold shower, okay? 
came out of the cold shower and then dried off and was taken to a masseuse and worked on for an hour. I walked out of there spending 600 bucks. Okay? I look at this at this Savannah, the, the Salina in, in Williamstown, and I said to a friend of mine, who I'm not going to name because he's going to hear this, yes. I said, why don't we take, well, salt is a curative. For sure. I mean, you go by salt is one of the oldest minerals in the world from biblical times. And it always okay? held value. They fought wars over salt. Over salt. It still has value. But we have the Selena doing absolutely nothing. The sluice gate is still there, okay? We can create some salt. Because as a matter of fact, we could build a touristic salt industry in Williamstown. For sure. That you never have to leave Williamstown, you can work there, okay? But here's the other thing. Williamstown is a beautiful town, you know. If you go up around the town where the beaches are, yes, sir. okay, the old slave quarters in the back there and the old you, you gotta take me there sometime. Oh man, I'd love to I'd love to. Yes, Private sir. land, but I'm sure okay. the one mine as well. The goats are there now. Yes, okay, sir. the one mine that's going here. But imagine we take the water from the Salinas. We build ourselves a couple of bathhouses. Don't have to be big, don't have to be fancy, but you do the same thing they're doing in hot springs. Okay? It's a spa. Yes sir. And to, to some people, back. it's a fun in the youth. We teach our young people, young ladies, young men, how to be masseuse, how to be whatever. We give them a, a thing, okay? And so I can go to Williamstown. I can go to the, to, the, to the spa, okay? I can come out of the spa, either go lay on the beach and have a nice drink, or I can go to Santana's or the other restaurants and have a nice behavior. I can spend the weekend if I want to, because now we can put some little cottages around, all owned by people in Williamstown, aren't you? We're talking about a town becoming self-sufficient. Love this. I, I, I already okay. feel like I'm there right now. Okay. I had to, oh my yeah, God. Now, now this, we're dreaming here. Okay. Yeah, so, but no, this, but, it's, but, it's, but it's a viable this can dream. This so real. Easily. What are we doing now? What Easily. are we doing now? Okay. We are, we are selling our properties, and I'm a realtor, so this is the biting the hand that feeds you, kind of. But we're selling our properties to foreign persons who come here, build a lifestyle for themselves, and we work for them. So logical. You, know, you don't see that anywhere else in the world. Like so, so if I decide tomorrow to pull up my roots and go build someplace else and have some other people so I can why can't I do that too? So that's not sustainable. Okay? We can't even feed those people. That's another aspect of victim of pride. It's self-sufficiency. Okay. But I remember being in a class at Harvard University and we were given a problem one afternoon to solve. And the, the instructor said to us, you tell us in your community, what is your terrible problem? In your country, what is your terrible problem? And I thought about it. I'm sitting there with guys from Arabia, Saudi Arabia, and, and uh, 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 Europe, and this is an international group. And I thought, Georgetown is my type of problem. It's my home. It's, it's disgraceful. Okay? I, I, Georgetown never looked like this as a kid. Okay? So that's my terrible problem. So I presented that as my terrible problem, and I had all these guys sit around, these very wealthy guys from businesses and whatnot. 
And they all talked about Georgetown as my terrible problem and what I can do to solve it. Exactly. Solutions. And you know, you know, a big thing in business is whenever you identify a problem, that's where business comes from because you have to provide a solution. Whoever provides a solution gets economic benefits, although they might not be evenly going for that initially. You might be doing it just as a, as a good thing, but that's business. That's business. And what you provided just now is solution for William Towns. For William Town, that's, that's businesses right there. And those are businesses that are owned by locals, where locals get the economic benefit. They're able to teach themselves skills. And it's sustainable. It's really sustainable. And I think that's what we need a lot more of. Like, we need a lot more local ownership. We need to be able to empower our people. We need to take advantage of the assets that we have. One of the most powerful assets, and you notice because you're in real estate, is land, right? Absolutely. Everything else comes from land. So if we have a lot of land sitting around. Why don't we be able, we need to find ways to come together. And I think the big thing is your teamwork, but to have teamwork, you have to know how to unite and get unity. We have to come together and utilize these resources and build, and we can create sustainable communities for ourselves. Well, you know, in small ways, it's trying to happen. People are trying to do this. All up and down in Zuma, people are trying. Love it. They really are, you know. Um, and people look at, sometimes they look at me and, and I walk with my head up or my head down and I seem to be going. But the, to be honest with you, I'm always thinking about how we can, not me, I didn't come home to enrich myself. Yes, sir. I came home because this is my land. Yes, sir. I, I traveled the world of I never felt grounded yes, sir. until I flew over Ocean Bite, coming back here to work for Sandal for um, Emerald Bay. Yes, sir. And I asked myself, what am I doing? Why am I not here in this land that I walked and grew up on? And I touched down and I felt grounded. Wow. I felt grounded. I felt I was home. This is where I needed to be. And I built my home here. Wow. Okay. I think every Islander, every Islander needs to reconnect with his base. Okay? If you're from Cat Island, if you're from, you know, we say the government didn't do this and the government didn't do this, and, and, and I'm looking that I'm 77 years old, and in my 70, 70, I'll be 78 next year. Well, we have not built a new town in our country. In all my lifetime. Everybody says, what about Freeport? We didn't know Freeport. Mm -hmm. Okay. We didn't do that. Okay. And now we see communities springing up all over the place that don't look like us. Okay. So my question is if you're from Aquins, if you're from Crooked Island, if you're from Mayaguana, where are the people from those islands, and including Exuma? Because Exuma has more people working in government and different high end places. It will shock you at the power that we could bring to this island if we could claim our people. If our people, if the, if the diaspora would understand that there, there is a need back here for their skills and their talents and their knowledge. And yes, their, 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 their monies. There's something happening in Roll Town right now. I don't know if I'm, if I'm allowed to say this, but Roll Town. There's a group of Exumians, descendants of people from Old Town, who are creating a, a, a community on the south side of Old Town that's going to blow your mind. They're all black. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, we all talk about the, the foreign people who come in and buy homes and yeah, so live on the North Shore. But let me tell you something. I see something in Royal Town that is blowing wow. my mind. Wow. And there's a young man out there, and I don't have permission from him to mention, so I'm not going to call a saying. I don't even know if I should talk for the cross, but I, because it has nothing to do with Exuma Pride. Yes, sir. But in a way, it does. Yes, yeah, so it, it does. Exactly it's exactly what we're trying to do. Empower our people to come home, take the land. Why should other people develop our land? It doesn't make sense. Why aren't we developing our, our land? Why aren't we doing that? It doesn't okay. make sense. And I'm saying that all along, people are trying, but we need the connection to come together. It's the team coming in. Exuma, team Exuma. Yes, sir. Love that. Um, I, 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 I have another slogan that I, that I, I coined last night. Um, Exuma Rising. Right? Coming together to understand how, I, I was listening to Joe Biden talking about how America is so great when they do things together. Mm -hmm. That's all that's common to America. Mm -hmm. It's common everywhere. Exactly. Yeah? I can do a whole lot of things. But you and I together can do, can do way more. more. Can do way more. More efficiently, okay, quicker, better, etc., etc., etc. And so one of the one of the strengths I think that comes together in Exuma Pride, and we don't mean pride, we don't mean pride as in pomposity. We don't mean pride as in we mean pride in taking care of business. Exactly. That's what we say. Responsibility for our environment, responsibility for our community. Stop, stop trashing the island. Don't go and dump stuff in the bush. You got an old car. There should be a place for you to take it. Okay. We need we need some strategies, community strategies to work to all of our benefit. I mean, I go to to look at my property and I find an old car, an old refrigerator. I have to clean that up. Why should I have to do that? It's because we don't have systems in place and we don't have. Um, um, Agreements in place that you and I agree that we're not going to do something. Exactly. We're not going to throw down. We're not going to dump. We're not going to do this. These are the kinds of conversations that we need to have. But I'm straight, <laughs> and, and you have to interrupt me. But but Exuma Pride is not Red Smith. Exuma Pride is not Cleo. It's not Shiva. It's not Chester. It's not Erwin. Okay. By the way, uh, let me let me be very very clear about this. Exuma pride is not political. It is not party. Exuma pride is exactly what it says it is. It is Exuma's pride, the pride we take in our island as Exumians. Whether you live here or you in in New York or wherever. I think it would be a great thing for you, for example, let's say you have moved to Germany and you walk into somebody and they say, where are you from? Well, I'm originally from Exuma. Oh, really? Yes, That's sir. what I want. Yes, sir. Right? That's what I think, you know, we were taught as children. They said, your name goes before you. So the name of our island. Well, you know what we're known for now? Do you have any idea what Exuma is known for? Sunday? Yes, sir. <laughs> sir. Yes, sir. And God bless the pigs. Okay? Because without the pigs, what, what will we do? 
The pigs have brought people from all over the world. They brought a notoriety to them we, we used to have before as a beautiful people and a great place. But now we're known for swimming pigs. What else? And I, I know there's a lot more. There's a lot more value, but it, it takes people with, with great minds like yourself and others to come together and continue to build these structures where you build around these things and have like a, a regatta museum at the library and have these things in place. I think I think you're doing it right now, Mr. Mr. Smith. You and you and other people. And also, I, I I like the point that you made. You know, there are some things happening in Exuma to where you can be proud, you can smile because, for example, some of the ownership of, of our boutique style resorts. I see there are a few locals who actually own these things. Grand Bahama, I would not see that. So it's just taking a different perspective to look at it and be like. Like, like me coming from Grand Bahama, I was impressed by a lot of the stuff I saw over here in terms of local ownership. But also that shows that there's a lot more that can be tapped into. There are opportunities. But I think it, it just takes us coming together, being able to strategize, unite with each other. When you have people who come to, to, to help you achieve your goals, you actually accept them and see how you can work together. And, you know, if, if, if in a lot of cases, and this is just a general lesson in life, in a lot of cases, if we take our, our personal ego out of the way, and just focus on the goal and achieving results, we go way further. And I think that's what I see you doing with a lot of these programs. Well, I'm very blessed to, to, to have found myself in this place. And, and I think we, we have an opportunity. And, I, and, and I, I talk about it very, very few people. But there are other people that are connected. For example, when we started uh, there's a fellow by the name of Dion Curry. Um, Dion came on board and uh, was a tremendous inspiration and help. Yes, okay, and I miss him because he no longer, he's got his own business and has become wrapped up in that, but I miss him. Yes, sir. Putting this, I'm saying this on this program because I want people like Dion to understand their value yes, sir. to programs like this. Yes, sir. They cannot walk away, okay? And I know he's there, but we need him. But 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 I'd like to see him back. Yes, Don sir. Roll, um, cable cable Don. Yes, sir. Incredible mind. Okay, and 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 a guy that gets things done. Okay, um, we can do more together. We can do more together. I know these people. A lot of these uh, the persons are, are involved in other um, um, uh, organizations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there is that there's that thing about community. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, the problem is too many of us are doing too many different things and we're not coming together to build yeah, consensus. Well, you, that's really what we need. Yeah, so well, you know, that's the thing in, in, in business. But also it's a concept that comes from, uh, if you read like the art of war, you yeah. notice that when someone's trying to destroy your army, if you have an opposing force, they try to divide you and you're weaker in that, in that sense. And it, it goes into everything in life. When we're not together, when we're not united, when we're battling on a million different fronts, our strength isn't centralized and going towards a direct goal, so we're weaker. So what you said just now is, you know, I think I think it's some powerful structures that already exist. I don't think we need to just keep reinventing new uh, mm -hmm. organizations, new organizations, new organizations. We got some things that are already in place that are doing a great job and making an impact. So let's tap into them. One of those, like I said, and you're talking about all day, is Exoma Pride. I've noticed the impact on Exoma Pride, and and and, and it can be felt. It's not just something where you have a, a name and some brand and Exoma Pride, and then there's nothing behind it. I see the things, and this is not normal in the Bahamas, so I really just want to, once again, commend you for, for doing that. I think uh, one, one other thing, and I think you kind of said it throughout, throughout this uh, conversation, but one other thing I want to just tap into, 
What do you think needs to be in place for Exuma to really tap into its economic potential? Because when I analyze things, it seems like there's so much stuff where you're right on the cusp. But what do you think needs to really be in place that will allow Exuma to tap into its economic potential fully? <laughs> it isn't one thing. It is a series of things. And without, without being judgmental, and, and we have to be careful about that, um, I think one of the major, major contributions that could be made from a governmental point of view we need to get real about local government. Everybody says, oh, we have local government, and local government is supposed to be the most. Local government has no teeth. It, it is a document, okay, that even those who are elected do not understand, okay? We don't have people who are willing to push the, 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 the margins and, and, and take power. You, you cannot, I cannot give you power, Okay, you have to take power. Yes, sir. I can. I can put all the laws and all the regulations in place, but if you don't take it out, it, it stays it's on the paper. Okay, so our local government is, to me, is a failure. Okay, in terms of it has no, it has no reason for being because these uh, these islands are running themselves in any case. Yes. Sir. Okay. Now you might say, well, it's because of the people you elect. Well, I I have an answer for that too. You elect the kind of people, or people get the government they deserve. Yes, sir. Okay? So don't blame the people that are elected. Blame you who elected them. Yes, sir. Can I just interject very quick? Yeah. Okay, with, with local government, right, uh, do you think it's really uh, a failure, per se, the people in local government, or more of a failure of the ultimate structure that's on top that doesn't provide local government with the necessary funding and the teeth, like you're saying, that they need? Uh, it's a great question. But in truth, where does, in our system of government, where does the power really lie? It's supposed to lie in the people. No, no, no. Where does it lie? It lies in the people. Yes. It's not supposed to. It does. Every five years, they come to us and they say, elect me. And we make that and decision. And what do you do? We you accept them. who they bring. You yes, don't say, no, 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 I want this person. And if you don't bring me that person, don't come. You can do that. Yes, sir. We but definitely we do. Definitely. But, but we never do. And, 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 and we, we seem to think that once a person is elected, they become, they become above us. Yes, sir. And so we start to you know, you know, bow down to them rather than the other way around. We serve them rather than they serve us. And I the think Constitution of the Bahamas is not there for us to serve the Constitution. The Constitution serves us. Yes, sir. Okay? So here's, 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 here's the thing. Local government needs teeth. I think when government created local government, it was a brilliant idea, for sure. a brilliant thing to do, but you know that's like giving me a spoon and taking my plate away. <laughs> what you okay. use it for? I mean, what am I going to use the spoon for? Yeah, so right. So here's what we can do: we can immediately ask Parliament to go back into local government and make some changes. For example, the chief council that needs to be a maybe a paid job. Mm -hmm. That may be a big pay, but some pay for sure. Okay. So that he he spends time working for yes. the island and not for himself. Exactly. If you're going to be my chief counsel, you don't got time to work for yourself. Well, you you got to work for me. Exactly. And you got to ensure that someone is able okay. to feed themselves so they can focus their focus where it needs Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. And you shouldn't be out there necessarily getting jobs for yourself. 
Your job should be getting jobs for your community. Exactly. You should be building your community. Exactly. You should be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> Sorry. If local government is working, we don't really need Exuma Prime. Do we? Okay. Because because from licensing, which we've got taken away from us, okay, we don't run our own affairs. Um, you go right down the line. Uh, look how long it's taken us to get an airport. We still haven't got it. It's promise. Yes, okay? yes. Look at our roads. We can't even cut the bush back. We in Azuma Pride, this is one of the reasons that Leon Curry got his, his cutter, because we were trying to trim the roads back because they were roaring in. Yes, okay. Uh, holes in the road, um, blah, 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 blah. These are the things, the whole reason I thought of creating local government was to bring governance down to a lower level, closer to the people. So it's so more efficient. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 and look at the structure. Look at the structure. We have national representation in our member parliament. Okay. And if a member of parliament, no matter which party he is, if he is connected or working with in contact with local government, we should have a natural progress of information from the people up through local government, through the member of parliament, into parliament, into the cabinet. We have the system. Yes, sir. It isn't the system. It is us. We the people. Okay. We the people responsible for every wrong that we have because we allow it. The second thing we can do is, we need to have a proportionate share of the revenues raised in these communities come back into the community. Agreed. This is, this is ridiculous. Agreed. Okay? It's high time we stop pouring all of our eggs into New Providence. Um, God bless them. It's our capital, and I know we need to contribute, but I think the $500,000, which I hear, is a budget for a Zoom. It's illogical. illogical. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I know government's taking more than that. Already. Of course. The, the current system doesn't make sense, right? right. For, so, for example, if, if New Providence was to make, and these numbers are nowhere close, if, if New Providence was to make $2 million, right, and Exuma was to make $1.5 million, why is it that New Providence gets back like $3 million and you, you, like Exuma just gets like a slitter, like $20,000 or something like that? It doesn't make sense. For the effort you, and this is in life, for the effort and value that you put in, you should have some type of return on that. You're investing. Exomians are investing in creating these businesses. They're investing in making things happen. They're producing all this economic There's no such thing as return on investment for these islands. Because there is very little investment. What has government invested in, and, 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 and that's, that's a key word, you know. What has government invested in Exomian in the past 30 years? They haven't. I guess what, what have they invested in? Pay salaries. That's not an investment. Yeah. What what look at our roads. Infrastructure alone. Look at our dock out there. That's crazy. Okay? We put money into a dock when we should have built. We should have done what mind you, mind you, let, let me be clear. Hubert Ingram, in my ear, was of the opinion that we should have moved to the Navy base years ago. So go do it. Yes, sir. Now I don't know why. That never happened, but I distinctly remember that happening. I wouldn't have seen a, a, a prime minister like Perry Christie had we pushed him, mm -hmm. not not going along with that program. But the push didn't come from here. The push needed to come from Exuma saying, "Listen, fix my dock this way. Yes, sir. Do this this way." We haven't done it. We are not involved in governance in the Bahamas, except every five years we go to a ball game. <laughs> We go to Saturday Night Football every five years, and we say, we win. Our yeah. team won. 
There's okay. a big deal. So then the team goes away for the next five years. Okay. No, I really believe that that it's high time. If the but we need to know. I asked. Uh, I asked a uh, 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 minister in a town meeting in Georgetown. I guess it's probably now uh, pre pre twelve. Uh, I asked the then minister, who's in the field of the government. I asked him, what is the budget for Exuma? They had come to a town meeting in Georgetown. And I asked him, what is the budget for Exuma? Tell me, what's the rate? How much money do we make? And how much, how much is being spent? What's, our, what's the Exuma economy looks like? What's the budget look like? He couldn't tell me. He couldn't tell the meeting. And he said to me, Reg, I don't have that information. Why do you come to a meeting? But that's who you should have that information. information. You know that question is coming. No, he came because he did not expect that question to come. He would never come up from this community. They came to tell us what they were going to do, but they didn't really come to listen to us. But you can't, you can't really act, this is a basic thing, like you can't really act, you can't do financial projections, you can't do any type of projections if you don't know the numbers and the base of what your expenses are, what your, what your income is. Like you have to know this basic information. Yeah. You have to know that before you can invest. All right then. Okay, and so, so here's the thing. If they do not know, if the Minister of Finance cannot tell us at any given moment, what the revenue of Exuma is for, I don't say this year, I don't understand that. Last year. That's not good. Okay? You can't share it with me? That's not you can't good. share with me how much money's worth spending on Exuma? That's not I good. can't know that, and I'm an Exumian, and I'm paying, you know, okay, I don't pay. Yes, I pay taxes. I pay tax on everything that comes in here. I pay more taxes than, than the guy who's getting direct tax. I don't get it directly, but I pay it. Okay, so so you have you should know these things. If you're going to come to a meeting, a town meeting, that we're going to talk about my community, everything's on the table. Okay, so the openness and the transparency that needs to happen has to come from us. We need to ask for it, and we need to know what is the economy of Exuma, not the national economy now. What is the economy of Exuma? What is our contribution? Why should I why should I build my house, build a restaurant here? What drives that? What drives that is that I know next year I'm going to have this happening and that happening. Oh, yeah, I can do this. Now, the volume goes up, okay. up the traffic that brings in the revenue for your restaurant, okay. and you win. We are flying blind, and that is our problem. But we're flying blind. Okay, Look at it. How many billions of dollars are we in debt now as a country? How many billions of dollars? Okay. It's ridiculous. Think of the Bahamas as a department store. We got 29 departments. We got one that is the big dog. This is bringing in the, the lion's share of the money. But we got 28 others that haven't even been touched, haven't even been offered. We're playing with. Huh? That's, that seems like a bad investment. We're, we're, we're saying that they're dragging down. The big dog it makes no sense when when you're not giving them an opportunity to grow, and the opportunity for growth is within it's them. Here. This is where we grow. We don't grow new products. No, that's that's okay. <laughs> that's a setup for the internationals to do whatever they want to do. What is Red Smith's life principle that he would share if you had to give someone a, a little advice on advancing themselves in the business world? Connect with the universal dream. That's deep. Whatever your heart, whatever your mind tells you, you can do, you can do. And there is that little voice that we all have that's beginning in our head. You have it, I have, everybody's got it. 
Problem is that too often you listen to the wrong one. For sure, for sure. You know, you go in different directions. But 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 you asked me uh, about you know what we can do, and I mentioned the fact that I said connect with the universe and and dream, follow your dreams, and and I say I say that because in each of us is a possibility, and I don't want to. I'm I'm no preacher, so I'm not going to go there. Okay, but you know. What, what always fascinates me is we say that Western civilization is based on the Bible, <laughs> but few of us use it to live our lives by, including yours truly. I'm fessing this up now, right? We need to get more into the spiritual man in our country than, than, than the temple man. I, th I think we make a mistake here because we belittle ourselves. For sure. You know, we don't realize how great we are really in all are as people. Okay? And 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 when we when we get so tied up in, in getting and the money and the rest of it, these become our gods. And and I know a lot of people say, that's Red Smith talking. Yeah, <laughs> it's me. Same old, same old guy. Yes. Yeah, okay, a little bit old, a little bit wiser, yeah, I sir. think. Okay. But if you, ask, if you ask me, one of the things we need to do is we need to get back to basics. For sure. Okay? We have more churches in Exuma now than we... The, when, I, when I was here, I know we had the Baptist, the Anglican, and, the, and, and I think we didn't even have a Catholic back then, I think. The Baptists and the, Baptist the Anglicans were here, and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure. But back then, we had values. We knew who was who. We had respect for other people and for ourselves. We have to, if you want to build a strong community, you have to get back to these core values, man. Agreed. Okay, because that's, they're the cornerstones, the foundation that you build on. Yeah, so. Now, it, it's, now we, <laughs> we hear from our friends next door, there's something called alternative facts. <laughs> How can it be an alternative fact? It's either a fact or, or it's, 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 it's a lie. Yeah, sir. Okay? And so, so I really believe that, that Exuma, and this is what I'm hoping in my eye, through Exuma Pride, that we connect the communities, that we understand the value of coming together as people, okay? Centered around a common cause. Love it. Not, not, not me. Fishing. We need to build on fishing. My God, we live on an island surrounded by salt water, and we can't get fresh fish. Uh, I found it ridiculous. Hmm? Max Bow used to come out of the forest with a whole cow on the back of his truck, and we used to get fresh beef. Now we can hardly get goat. We don't know what a sheep is. There are young people on this island who've never seen a horse, a live, real horse, except on television, or a chicken. Okay? I know the high schools are now trying to do some, are we talking about getting farming in? One of the programs, projects of, of Exuma Pride, we are going to repopulate this island with as many food trees as we can. That's a major replant. Get the farms going again. Get the communities working again. Get our capital accepted as a capital internationally. Okay? As a center of business. We need to create a new business center in the naval base. Take some of the things out of Georgetown. We got too much stuff that we can't handle. The administrators build it. 
police station, the dark, you know, the big trucks, bring it out, we got space. I said, big Irish man, why are we crowding up trying to kill people in the dark? Yeah, so, okay. These are the things that I think we need to be talking about. You got an election coming up, whoever's going to be our representative, okay? You, you, you focus, Mr. Cooper. Yeah, so but whoever's going to be our these are the things we need to put in front of them. For sure. We don't have to back up. Okay, we're giving them something. We're giving them our vote. That's an incredible, important thing. You know, we're going to become a cashless society. What's that all about? Okay, we really need to get into community. And, and I'm very happy that Exuma Pride exists. I'm so grateful for Shiva and Cleo and the others that have joined us. We open the door to anybody, as I said. We're, not, we're, we're non-sectarian and we're non-political. Yes. Okay, so come join us, jump on board. Whether you live in Nassau, you live in, in New York, if you're an Exumian, Exuma Pride is your organization. Get involved. We're going to start to go after a membership pretty soon. Yes. On board. But I thank you for the opportunity to, to chat with you. Yes. And, uh, and I thank you for the opportunity for even coming in and gracing me with your presence. I really appreciate that. At my age now, I am not bashful about what needs to be said, Love it. Um, and and I, I commit to I commit to that. I will be true to myself. I will be true to my God, and I will be true to my my country. But I will be true to my island before my country. Yes, sir. Okay, Guma first. I'm sorry, um, within the country, but as part of the Bahamas, why should we not want to lift up our country? And if we lift up our island. Don't we lift our country up? Exactly. Then let's start here.